From the studios of Boise State Public Radio News, I'm Gemma Gaudet, and this is Idaho Matters. The Oscars are less than two weeks away, and we have some questions. Who will win? Who will lose? Will there be another scandal? And since viewership has gone down over recent years, will it even be a good show worth watching? Well, to help us find those answers, we're joined by our resident movie expert and Morning Edition host, George Prentice. Hi, George. Hi, Gemma. Okay, I can't believe the Oscars are in two weeks. That's crazy. It is crazy. That said, can we just get on with it and just let's let's just have the I am I am I want to start talking about next year's nominees. So. Yeah, absolutely, right? Okay, so give us a preview yeah. of what we'll be seeing at the Oscars. Well, I think it's good to remember that this is a show. This is a variety show. The reason that the Motion Picture Academy decided to put the Oscars on television was because movies were losing people to television back in the 40s oh, that's and 50s. Funny. And here in 2023, movies are losing people to television. To television. <laughs> right. So for goodness sakes, can they just put on a show? It is a show, people. It is not world peace. No one is solving anything here. Could you please put on a show? So to that end... Uh, we know that Jimmy Kimmel is back as host. I, I like Jimmy Kimmel. I think a, mm-hmm. a, a great ceremony includes a good, a great presenters, though. I think the key to the show are the presenters when they pair up Will Ferrell with uh, Jack Black or Steve Carell with Kristen Wiig. So here's a great example. It happened this past weekend at the Screen Actors Guild Awards. This was a genius move. They paired up uh, the Queens of Goth, Aubrey Plaza mm-hmm. and Jenny Ortega, Uh, And you know her as the breakout actress who is currently starring as Wednesday, uh, Wednesday Adams. So here's Aubrey Plaza and Jenny Ortega as presenters. I don't know why they paired us up together. Yeah. (laughs) I know we have nothing in common. We should find the people who did this. And curse their families and watch as misfortune Misfortune follows their bloodline for the next seven generations. Okay, I see it now. You know, that's the key, folks. Get some funny, funny people. It's a show. Yes, there's winners, swell, but, you know, the acceptance speeches are a drag. So it's about the presenters. So back to the host, Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, The good thing about Jimmy Kimmel is that he indeed bursts that balloon of pomposity. But let's face it, when he does host, things have a tendency to go deliciously wrong. We are here tonight to honor great actors, but we're also here to honor the actors who seem great, but actually really aren't. And of all the great actors here in Hollywood, one in particular has stood the test of time. She wasn't even in a movie this year. We just wrote her name down out of habit. Meryl, stand up if you would. Everybody, please join me in giving Meryl Streep a totally undeserved round of applause, will you? We are about to present the final award of the night. This is the home stretch. Nothing could possibly go wrong from here on. And of course, things did go wrong. Let's listen. Award for best picture, La La Land. I'm sorry. No, there's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Oh, my gosh. And uh, quite frankly, most people remember stuff like that more than they remember the winners. People remember the show more than they remember the winners. I think 
Gemma, if you and I went out and asked 10 people to name the, the last year's winners of the Oscars, I don't think anyone uh, could tell us. That said, they'd probably tell us, yeah, the show wasn't that good. <laughs> well, I could tell you about Will Smith, but I can't tell you right? who won. Right, I mean, you I, know. I mean, I mean, in all honesty, and cannot remember who won Best Picture. Not coming back, actually, I think it would be more interesting if it did, but, uh, you know, but that's... You know, and the Academy gets very self-important. And But can we just talk again for a moment about how they choose winners? Would you do this? Because I tell you, George, first off, it's confusing as all get out. But also, when you told me this, it made sense as to why sometimes certain movies win Best Picture when I scratch my head and wonder why. Exactly. So at our event, our Sun Valley Movie Night event uh, a couple of weeks ago, I decided to make our audience the Motion Picture Academy, and we handed mm. out ballots just to prove how the Motion Picture Academy chooses a best picture. And again, folks, this is how it's done. To win the best picture, you have to get at least 50% of all the votes cast. Now, the odds are of a picture out of 10 nominees to get 50% of all the votes cast plus one is next to impossible the first time you count it. So they divide them all into 10 piles. And by the way, Motion Picture uh, Academy members have to vote. They have to rank all 10 nominees. One, two, three. This is my first choice, second choice, third choice, and, and so on. And the reason they do that is that the picture that gives, gets the least number of votes in the first ballot, they take all of those votes away and they redistribute the second choice. And then they recount again. And then they take the lowest one again and redistribute that and then redistribute that and redistribute that until a picture gets 50% plus one. And you would think that, well, the picture that gets the most votes would win. But mm-hmm. as Gemma, to your point, there's been some years where you're, you're, you're scratching your head. You're thinking, really? Really? Mm-hmm. Is that the best picture? Well, there are 9,500 eligible members of the Academy. So Price Waterhouse, they've got their work cut out for them. Well, and we will just have to see how that all ends up, um, you know, how it hashes out. Because mm-hmm. are we going to say, yeah, that's the one, or are we going to be scratching our heads? Yeah, and when you look at the nominees this year, you've got a lot of, of what I would say people's favorites, like Top Gun mm-hmm. Maverick, let's face it. Yeah. I mean, by far, you know, uh, uh, it, it almost saved cinemas last summer, right? Uh, right. Then there's the Avatar se- uh, sequel, which is uh, doing gangbuster business. But uh, it's a pretty good bet that neither one of those will win. Well, back in the day, movies like Sound of Music and West Side Story used to win Best Picture. Not so much anymore. Mm, I know. Well, it it will be an interesting show, to say the least. But let's talk about some other things, George, because mm-hmm. um, as you mentioned, you know, TV's where it's at these days. And you've been thinking a lot about some really popular streaming series. Um, Just to name an example, The Last of Us, The Mandalorian. So what's on your mind about these? Well, I've been thinking about this. And of course, we all look at programs through our own lens. So Mm -hmm. uh, I need to say this up top. This is not George Prentice, the journalist, talking. This is just George Prentice, the citizen, the viewer. I'm just some old guy sitting in the back row. (laughs) Uh, But just a thought about uh, The Last of Us, which is wrapping up on HBO, 
and the new season of The Mandalorian, which is about to start a new season on Disney+. Plus. Uh, by the way, both starring Pablo Pascal, who is amazing. Uh, and there's so much written about both of these podcasts, blog posts, uh, separate YouTube channels. So what what these programs are for me is that it, it is about parenthood and, and not a capital P, but a small P, parenthood. And not necessarily, you know, parents by blood, but the mm-hmm. responsibility that we must take to protect our kids, but also protect our kids from those who think they know best of how our kids ought to be raised and when or if they're exposed to anything, uh, mm-hmm. you know, life. So when I see these shows, uh, yeah, there's plenty of action, but I, I think about love and, and parenthood and raising our kids so that others, whether they be elected or ordained or some other nonsense, think they know best how to protect our kids. Uh, there's only one way to love a kid unconditionally, and that's what these stories tell me at least. And uh, that's uh, to show uh, those who are most vulnerable – what unconditional love is, and indeed, unconditional love is for everyone. Everyone. Mm-hmm. Enough that, you know, I'm just saying that's just George the citizen, but that's what I see. And when I hear about some of the nonsense that is going through Idaho at the moment, I look at these shows and I think, yeah, it's about protecting kids because I don't want, you know, people who think they know best about kids to have their say. I couldn't have said it more. And, and, you know, my, my parents used to always say, George, my dad in particular would say, there is nothing you could ever do that would make me stop loving you. Nothing. And I didn't understand that until I became a parent. And then you're so right. And Gemma as the citizen is saying that I know my children the best. Right. And, and parenthood is a journey. And, and, uh, you know, it just comes down to that where it is like, we know how to love our children and we know what to give them to raise them to be good citizens. Life isn't pretty. Sometimes it's even yeah. violent as some of these uh, shows remind us. Yeah, it may be fiction, but uh, when I see them, I see people trying to do the right thing by everyone, everyone, mm-hmm. unconditionally mm-hmm. loving everyone. Yeah. Okay. What other um, shows yeah. are coming to our Home video screens this month in March. Well, March is going to be a great month, I'll tell you. Uh, I am particularly excited to report that a new season of Perry Mason uh, will begin this. Yes, this weekend on HBO. This is not your grandparents, Perry Mason. So please, please, please check out season one on HBO. It is a superb origin story. Season two begins this weekend. I'm also a huge fan of Alaska Daily over on ABC starring Hilary Swank. Uh, New episodes are beginning this week. You can catch up on Hulu. Mel Brooks is back with History of the World Part 2, 42 years after Part Uh, (laughs) 1. I I will not be sharing any clips here because it would probably jeopardize our license. Uh, Probably. The the cutest movie of the year, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, uh, a nominee for Best Animated Film at the Oscars, will debut on Showtime on Thursday, March 9th. But the best show I can recommend uh, coming up is on public television. Now, Gemma, as you know, one of my favorite films of the past few years was Green Book. uh, Mm -hmm. Oh, so good. Which went on to win the Best Picture Oscar. Well, coming up Mm -hmm. on Saturday, March 11th, 
It's an amazing one-hour special. I've, I've watched it a few times now. It is called The Musician's Green Book. Now, just to remind our listeners of The Green Book, um, indeed, there was a green book. This was uh, a directory of lodgings where African Americans were safe and welcome. It started in the 1930s. It was published through the 1960s. By the way, I've seen a green book from the 40s, which has a Boise listing. Uh, a boarding yeah. house that was safe here in Boise. In the 60s, uh, and I actually have a copy of a page from a green book in the 60s, and it includes uh, listings in Caldwell, Idaho Falls, Lewiston, Pocatello, wow. Twin Falls. Anyway, the Musicians um, uh, Green Book, which is coming up on public television, this is a real show. This is not a piece of fiction. So these are the real musicians and singers who had to use the Green Book and they tell their own stories and they perform songs from the Green Book era on this show. It's the fastest and maybe the best one hour of entertainment. It's very emotional. The music you're listening is like, oh my gosh, that's the best of of Count Basie and Duke Ellington and Quincy Jones. But yeah, that was the era of the Green Book. So let's listen. A lot of what we're talking about, we are so indoctrinated into being musicians that we have forgotten some of the prejudices that we've gone through, we've lived through, to see some of our brothers shot, killed, whatever, based on racism. We're still here. And I think it's necessary for us to tell the story from within. Yeah, it's it, it don't mean a thing. These are songs uh, that our parents and grandparents loved, but these are songs from the Green Book era. And these are singers who survived that era and musicians who perform, and boy, are they getting it done. So it's a great companion piece, by the way, to uh, the movie Green Book, and this is The Musician's Green Book, coming up on Idaho Public Television. Saturday, March 11th. Do not miss this. This is a chapter of American history that I think most of us really didn't know existed. Uh, but uh, ever since the movie, we want to know more. Gemma, I love this show. I think you will, too. Well, as always, George, such fabulous recommendations. And I always just love chatting with you about all of this. Thanks so much, Gemma. Thanks so much for listening to Idaho Matters. Boise State Public Radio and Idaho Matters are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Gemma Gaudette. We'll see you tomorrow. This is Chip Brantley, co-host of the NPR podcast, White Lies. Before we found the man in Vancouver, before we sued the State Department, before we snuck into the graveyard of a federal penitentiary, all we had were the photographs. Photographs of a group of Cuban men standing on the roof of a prison in rural Alabama. That's this season on the NPR podcast, White Lies.